0: Taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears Hello there and welcome to episode 189 I hope that you're doing very well today and if you are struggling with OCD or anxiety you can get a free session with me to get that All you need to do is to head over to my website www.robertjamescoaching.com and there you can find my uh, Canonly and you can can book yourself a free session directly uh, from the homepage of the website. In today's podcast I interviewed Dr. Friedman, uh, MD, PhD, who is a physician specializing in cardiology and molecular biology. Uh, He's also a researcher, a personal development coach and the author of the award-winning book The Fear Plus Anxiety Solution, a breakthrough process for healing and empowerment with the subconscious mind. His personal uh, breakthrough and empowerment program has helped thousands of his clients worldwide to overcome fear, anxiety and self-limiting patterns by addressing the deeper subconscious root causes of these mental and emotional challenges. Dr. Friedman's research and advice has been featured in Nature Medicine, Oprah Magazine, Huffington Post, Reader's Digest, Teen Vogue, and Shape, amongst others. To find out more about Dr. Friedman, you can head over to his website, www.drfriedman.com. And uh, I think you'll find that it's a, a really interesting conversa- uh, conversation today. We, we cover a lot of ground. Obviously, we're, we're talking about OCD, but we're also looking at uh, modern medicine and, uh, and anxiety. Um, we discuss um, the deeper meaning of anxiety problems. This is something that I really think is uh, a very important area. If you listen to the podcast a lot, you probably... Have heard me talking about trying to find some kind of meaning about the struggle that you're going through, um, and that really does help us to to accept it a lot more. And uh, we also discuss the role of the uh, subconscious in perpetuating anxiety problems. So, um, you know, it's a very it's a very deep conversation. We get into lots of really interesting areas, um, and I, I really think that you're you're going to find it helpful. So. Um, as always if you if you have any questions then uh, do please let me know and i hope you enjoy dr friedman welcome to the podcast it's uh, it's great to have you on well thank you so much for having me um so to to start off with could you just tell us um, a little bit about yourself please uh
1: well i am uh, working with people on overcoming their anxiety like yourself. Uh, I got to this place a little bit in a roundabout way because I used to be a physician specializing in cardiology. Uh, I used to be also a researcher in molecular biology. And all of those things gave me pieces of the information of what is really wrong with us, <laughs> because in a lot of ways, we are making ourselves ill. And I saw this, especially in cardiology, how many of the patients we had were stressed, not just because they were in the hospital or because they had a heart attack, but even before they just really were worrying, had a lot of anxiety. Some had uh, been dealing with panic attacks for a long time, but you know, it, when you're in, uh, in traditional medicine, you don't really know what to do. And, and uh, so when I went into molecular biology, I had the feeling well you know we we have to look a little bit deeper what really drives us what drives us to be healthy what drives us to be well and uh, and as i saw how the cells really working beautifully together what became clear is that we have infinite potential infinite potential to heal infinite potential to adapt each of our cells has that potential but somehow we're not using it And so that's when I really got interested in using the power of the mind, the mind body connection, the subconscious mind, the deeper part of the mind to help us access this potential. And I think one of the biggest blocks for this uh, access is anxiety, Mm. low self esteem, lack of uh, self worth. So all of those things became then my target. But just to come all the way back to my beginning, I had a lot of anxiety for about 20 years of my life, so I had everything from panic attacks to OCD to, you know, really severe anxiety in regards to performance and failure and you name it. So I know how debilitated it can be and how hard it can be. And the journey that I help people to go on is also a journey that I certainly experienced myself. And that is how I guess I found my purpose.
0: Okay, so that's very interesting. So actually, then you kind of came away from the traditional uh, Western medical approach and 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 branched out into to something different. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's uh, when you work in a worked in a university hospital in Munich, and uh, so you have a lot of patients, a lot of turnaround, and there's very little time to communicate with the individual person and uh, I could tell you many cases where it just felt like we missed the boat we didn't really listen to the person we didn't really know what was going on and uh, so i just felt this is not how i want to help people this is not just you know diagnosing writing a prescription doing an intervention sending them off and then having them 6 months later come back that was not really satisfying and as it is, when you work in the university, you're also supposed to do research. And so that's when I got a postdoc and then prolonged that to get uh, more into depth uh, in molecular biology. And that really opened my eyes. Because I think traditional medicine is so trained to believe in the limitations of the human being. It's like this whole idea of there's really something wrong with you as the doctors and the pills and treatments. We come in to fix you. And certainly there is some truth to that. But we are not really as patients build up to believe, hey, wow, what about you healing yourself? What about you actually understanding how you created this disease, this, this illness in the first place? And maybe we can find uh, ways to uncreate it uh, that are more natural and not necessarily the hammer method, which often unfortunately is the case when we are only relying on, on medication or other treatments. So I just didn't feel holistic enough. And I come from a tradition of doctors. So my parents are both doctors. My sister is a doctor. My grandfather was uh, in pharmacology. So they were all holistic people. They were all working in ways that I think we are more and more losing touch with. And so I just felt I need to step
0: out of this treadmill
1: and uh, do something different.
0: Mm. so 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 you believe that the the we all have a kind of deeper intuitive understanding in a way of uh, of of what health is it's there's something that is within the body but that somehow that is being blocked uh by something um i mean it, it, something something about that certainly rings rings true to me um and, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there certainly does seem also to be a kind of epidemic of anxiety going on right now. Where there seems to be more people, whether that's just anecdotally or whether that's because of uh, the actual pandemic. Um, but more than ever, there's there's people kind of coming forward, complaining about anxiety. Why do you think that that might be?
1: Well, I think there are many reasons why people are more anxious. Uh, certainly, you could start with the whole COVID thing. But I think before, people were already dealing with more anxiety. And that has a lot to do with us just having more and more pressure to deal with. I mean, the, the demands, just starting with you know kids, when you see kids and the demands they have in school and extracurricular activities, and there is no spare time, there is no, you know, space to get even bored. So that's already creating stress and anxiety in the younger generation. And then also, you know, the demands of the workplace, and uh, most families uh, now have to to make end meet both parents work, and that puts a lot of pressure on. I also really blame social media, because social media is something that is a constant carrot that is dangling in front of us that says, Oh, look at this life, and look at that body and look at how much fun they have. And they have way more friends than you do. So there is a constant feeling of badness that social media really creates. So You want to compete, you compare, all of those things are slippery slopes to make you feel anxious, because when you really you know drill down what are people anxious about usually they're anxious because they don't feel safe or they don't feel good enough i mean you could really boil it down very very often to those two common feelings and uh and that feeling of not good enough is just something that becomes more and more a part of the you know the psyche and in the end what happens is that we identify ourselves not any longer with our individuality we identify ourselves with what we think we need to be to do to look in order to fit in to in order to be good enough and and personally I find the 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 anxiety is this little alarm bell you know or the light on the dashboard of our mind that says you know what you are not at home with yourself. You're living way outside of yourself. You're you're looking at everything else, but not at yourself. You're doing everything else, but not what's yours to do. So it's not a bad thing, the anxiety, but it's certainly telling us something. And the problem is, which is my pet peeve, most people think about anxiety as something to manage, to fight, to control, and not something to really use as a wake up call or an opportunity. So there's all this talking about, you know, how can you deal with it? Oh, good for you. You Get out of bed because you're anxious, which is true, but it's only scratching the surface. We have to look deeper and say, is the anxiety and emotion that has been really preserved for hundreds of thousands of years, really a useless byproduct of the human being, the human psyche, or is there actually something useful? Just like physical pain, isn't physical pain useful? you don't want to get rid of physical pain, you need the pain. Because otherwise, you're just gonna you know, slam your fingers in the door and don't even know that half of the finger has gone missing. Same thing with anxiety, we need the anxiety. Otherwise, we are gone missing in our on our journey through life. And that's a message that I'm really passionate about. And-
0: Yeah, thank you for your podcast. Hopefully it's going to get through to some people. (laughs) No, absolutely. I think it's a really important message. It's one I try to to get across to to my clients struggling with anxiety and OCD is that as awful as it is, you know, why is it showing up? Is it trying to point towards something, Um, you know, and if you do listen to it rather than trying to uh, subdue it or get rid of it as soon as it turns up? Uh, maybe you can learn something from it and and that learning could actually you know really help you to to kind of move things on in your life in a positive way rather than kind of remaining stuck uh where you might have been and so i think uh you know it really can be a positive thing if we allow ourselves uh the opportunity to 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 for it to be there you know to give it some space um i also really liked what you said about kind of uh you know, kids are not given the opportunity to be bored today. You know, boredom, if you like, in a way, for for children, it can be kind of appreciated. It almost as a as a certain kind of anxiety. Um, but I was it, it was funny because I was talking to a client about that uh, this morning about about boredom and how you know just simple things today, like waiting in a in a queue, we so often we will just get our phone out. I'm guilty of it myself, you know, rather than just waiting <laughs> and dealing with that sense of, of boredom, you know, we want to distract ourselves. We want to get a dopamine hit. We want to find something to to kind of take us away from that discomfort of not getting whatever we want immediately. Um, and I think that's uh, you know, that's a really big part of it as well.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. And you know, I think that is a distraction of the mind that unfortunately doesn't allow the mind to relax, which is another reason why we are more dealing with anxiety, because I don't think that the mind has enough time to uh, deprocess. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you really think about how, when I grew up, TV was off 10 o'clock, because there was literally nothing on there, because we had three channels, and they are pretty much, you know, done at 10 o'clock, because people assume 10 o'clock people are in bed, or maybe 11. And now you just can, you know, constantly bombard yourself with just images and information and all the things that the mind feels probably a little overwhelmed with. So Mm -hmm. we have been evolving our society and we have been evolving with technology in ways that we haven't been able to keep up. And so our mind is simply just trying, 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 and then you have a very restless sleep doesn't really give you enough time and so it's no wonder that the mind just feels, it's like a computer that just feels like frozen in some ways because it doesn't have this ability anymore hmm. to really uh, debrief and figure yeah. out what's really important, what's not important.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I really agree. Um, okay. And moving on then. So um, what is your view on, on medication? Obviously, this is a podcast for, for OCD, anxiety. It's probably a lot of people listening who... You know who do use medication um and a lot of people who perhaps don't um what what are your views on on medication for for um, anxiety related uh, problems i think it's a double-edged sword i think medication can be very helpful
1: because some of my clients have been so anxious that without medication they would have not been able to really Go through these different processes because they were not even able to hold a thought. It was just too much. It's like a a wiring inside that was just running hot, and uh, so they needed to really have something to dampen the the neurons and and give them a sense of okay, now I can really reflect. But the double-edged sword. That on the other hand, sometimes people say, oh, that's it. I have a you know biochemical imbalance, and that's all it is, and so I'm just gonna. my mind onto this lower level of energy and uh, that's all I need to do and then we are missing an opportunity again with the pain I think the best example is that if we would take pain medication for a broken foot you know you knock yourself out with opioids well great you can walk on that broken foot but you're creating more damage and you're actually creating healing because you're never really figuring out what is actually the the reason for the pain and I do see uh, this like you said Anxiety as an opportunity because there is something that causes it, and and personally, without anxiety, and I had this anxiety in my times uh, in medicine, I had panic attacks because mm. at one point I woke up and realized, oh my God, I have to do this for another thirty years. How am I gonna really <laughs> stand that? Yeah, and without that anxiety and without that real like sense of panic and something feeling not right, I would have never changed. I mean, you know, I'm really grateful for everything I I learned and I really connected the dots inside of myself through the anxiety. So I I certainly wouldn't say if I would have taken medication and have never paid attention that I would be a more purposeful or happier person. Probably not.
0: Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so um, so in your view, it's it it can be a helpful crutch for people who are really struggling. Um, but it's uh, it's a double-edged sword. It 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 comes with uh, potentially helpful things, but on the other hand, there are things about it that that potentially are are blocking you from from learning what you could potentially learn from from that experience. Right. Um, well,
1: there's a statistic that said that since medication became more available, that the number of people that actually did therapy or any kind of counseling decrease significantly. And I think that's unfortunate. Again, I really am grateful for the medication that's out there. Yeah, but don't look at it just as that's the number one solution. Look at it as helps me. It's wonderful because now I can actually function, but still be curious, be curious Mm -hmm. about what it is, what really creates a strong. I mean, the beauty about anxiety, it's not deniable. If you have anxiety, it's really intense and powerful. So that's a powerful energy inside of you. You want to not ignore that.
0: Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I really agree. Um, okay, so, so in, in your view, then, anxiety is... Do you, do you view anxiety as being then uh, an indicator of something unresolved, something that, that's going on in the subconscious, perhaps, Uh, that is that is powerful that is important that should not be ignored that that you need to to kind of shine a light on Um, and if you do so it it can actually be uh, uh, a very positive thing in order for personal transformation is is that the kind of thing that you're you're kind of talking about here
1: absolutely exactly I mean you know I in my book the the fear and anxiety solution I talk about the three subconscious root causes. And, uh, and I see those root causes throughout the people I've been working with for now over over 20 years. And those root causes are a the the unresolved traumas, you know, and a trauma is not, you know, a lot of people tell me I never had a trauma I had the best parents who were always supportive. And when they dig a little bit deeper, they realize, well, you know, the tough part about my dad was that he always told me, well you have so much potential you can really live up to anything that you imagine there is nothing that can stop you and that freaked them out to created so much (laughs) pressure inside of them because they thought okay i don't want to ever disappoint my dad Yeah. yeah so you know trauma is always more the experience and not necessarily whatever story you know we could tell ourselves or other people you may feel that you had a lot of anxiety or pressure that you never resolved. And you, know, you just continue to run that anxiety pattern until you finally look at it and say, no, like in this case, that would be a person who is an achiever, always needs to achieve. And I was certainly one of them always need to jump through higher hopes and make sure that you are somehow measuring up. And another very common anxiety pattern is the invisible pattern, you know, where you never felt safe, you never felt like you could trust anyone, you always were kind of hiding out in your room. And and then you are just like living still in that pattern. And sometimes we are creating this dichotomy, you know, this is where the second root cause comes in, where a part of us runs this childhood pattern of invisibility. And another part that's more the professional, let's say that's the one that's more the adult, becoming very, very ambitious and says, you know, I can really reach higher levels in my company. So that part pushes, pushes, pushes. And the other one, as soon as you leave the office says, Okay, now you're gonna go home, drink your glass of milk, and we don't do anything that's dangerous or can lead to rejection. So you're living in this friction in this constant conflict inside of you. That's also something that's very common in anxiety patterns. And the third one is then this you know, what are your beliefs? What are your core beliefs? Do you believe, as I mentioned before, that you're good enough? Or do you believe that you're lovable? Do you believe that, you know, you're fitting in that you're belonging? Or do you believe that maybe I should have not been born, which is very interesting, how many people have a trauma that comes from being in the womb? where they were witnessing not being wanted, witnessing parents fighting, separations happening, and they take it on personally as if it's their fault. Or I had a client in the womb that uh, didn't even know that that trauma, but he was always afraid of drowning and swimming and water. And I mean, in his 50s, he was just like, let's not get too close to a pool. And finally, you know, he did this uh, deeper work with me. And he realized, well, somehow, I think I drowned, but I don't remember I drowned, it must have been really early. And then he asked his mom and she said, Yeah, when I was like, you know, just in the early stages, you know, five, six months or something. uh, In my pregnancy, I did almost drown, it was really scary. And that imprint stayed with him. The subconscious is an amazing Yeah, resource that captures everything that we have been experiencing, even though we cannot always consciously access it, but the subconscious keeps track on it. And that's why just rehashing what we remember consciously is not always enough. We do have to dig a little bit deeper and see what does the subconscious actually have to say about why we are so self protective, because that's what anxiety ultimately is. It's a self protection mechanism.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, I really agree. Um, okay. So specifically then um, how can, if people feel like they're, they're struggling with those kind of three things that you've, you've just kind of pointed out there, um, you know, what, what can they do then to start taking action about this? Because obviously if you're struggling with OCD, anxiety, A lot of the work that that people uh, generally tend to do is dealing with uh, the symptoms of that. So, uh, exposure response prevention, for example, is the kind of traditional treatment for for OCD, which involves um, facing something that you're afraid of um, and uh, learning, well, coming up with a hierarchy of, of fears and then slowly working your way up that hierarchy. And you will face one of those fears and you will sit with the discomfort that that fear produces and practice acceptance, practice trying to allow yourself to be in that uncomfortable place uh, and and to bring acceptance to it. Um, And then generally over time, you can you can learn how to uh, tolerate that and hopefully move past those particular those particular fears um but i think what you're talking about here is is work on a, on a deeper level
1: well you know i had a client who had exactly that you know fear and this ocd about heights and there was really a phobic fear and he always you know told himself no i can never really get in an elevator i can never really go into an airplane and and though you know even though his life was successful that was one thing that he felt that holds me back. I'm weak, so I need to now push myself to put myself out there. And he didn't work with someone. He just said, "I'm gonna do it by myself. I'm gonna book 40 uh, jumps uh, with a parachute, and I'll I'll just gonna fix that." Now after jump number 10, he had so much of an anxiety that kept him awake at night. And just the thought about jump number 11 got him into a panic attack, so that he realized that's not the approach that's going to work for me. And you know, granted, this was certainly something a little bit drastic, what he tried. But I think when we <laughs> really think about deep inside, when there is a part inside of us, a subconscious part that doesn't trust, that doesn't trust that it's safe. And you as a conscious adult says, Well, I don't care, I'm going to put you into the situation that is scary. And you're just going to learn to deal with it. Two things can happen, it can happen that eventually there is a newborn confidence that's building over time. The other thing that can happen that there is a more of a disconnect that the subconscious part says, you know what? you conscious one i don't trust you at all because you got us always into these situations that are scary that don't feel good that are you know something that i don't like and that's what i see for example with people that are in the performance art you know musicians or actors that are so you know when they are having this anxiety of being rejected and they have to be on stage or in front of the camera all the time they are creating this constant battle as I mentioned before inside of them. So they don't necessarily get better until they're learning to address through more subconscious work this can be through, you know, pattern resolution process, it's the process I developed or timeline therapy or, or hypnotherapy just going deeper, and realizing, oh, there is a part of me that has a very good reason why. And there is a lot of open questions and confusions on why did I get rejected? Why did these people laugh at me? Why was I excluded? And just healing that and then really nurturing this part that still feels scared, which is a lot of inner child work can absolutely help you then to take on the role of the one that does feel safe. And then you can from that place of, oh, subconscious trusts me now, then you can go ahead and do all those exposure therapies, without betraying the part of you, that looks up to you and wonders, you know, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you doing this to me? So that's something that I find. I'm not against, you know, any of those exposure therapies, I just think the first step is to create a sense of connection within yourself. And again, Mm -hmm. Exposure therapy can be more dealing with a symptom and not really with that deeper question: Am I safe? Can I trust? Am I okay? And I think those questions are fundamental, and they need to be uh, first addressed, and the wounds where they come from healed.
0: Yeah, I think mean, that's really interesting. I think uh, you know the the kind of research that's done on exposure work—it definitely does help. However, you know, it's, uh, it's quite clear as well that it needs to be uh, supported with other approaches. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of things that you can do to increase the likelihood that the exposure work is, is actually going to help. Um, and it certainly seems like uh, what you're talking about, going tapping into the unconscious, is, is one of those things that, that could help. Um, obviously, hypnosis... Uh, you were just kind of mentioning there, um, you know, a hugely kind of researched area uh, in in itself. Um, could you tell us more about about how that might be able to help them with with some of the things that you were just talking about?
1: You know, hypnosis is just one way to build the bridge to the subconscious. I mean, you can watch TV or read a book and you're connected to your subconscious. It's not like that the subconscious is this little, you know, obscure thing that you have to look for. I mean, you couldn't enjoy a book by just reading the words without using your subconscious imagination of, oh, this is how it looks like. And this is a story. And this is, you know, all these things that create emotions and internal images. And you hear the sounds. Maybe you can even smell the cookies that someone is doing in this book, all created by the subconscious. So the subconscious is always working with us. You know, it's not, a, it's not something that's separate from us. 70 to 80% of the things we do every day are subconsciously controlled. For example, how many times do you drive and think about something completely different? Who does the driving? Or how many times do you wash your hair and then wonder if you actually washed it because you were somewhere else? So there's a lot of stuff that the subconscious stuff so hypnosis helps because it really creates a very calm environment where ideally you can just relax through, you know, the suggestions of, you know, either you listen to a hypnotic tape or you're working with someone and you are putting this critical faculty, you know, this part of your mind that always said that's not true, that doesn't really exist. That gently gets put aside and you let your subconscious connect with you. I find all different kinds of hypnosis helpful. But I also find that it's not the most empowering. It can be at the beginning very nice because it does get you like to open up to your subconscious. But I prefer working consciously with the subconscious, literally becoming a friend of your subconscious. So not that the hypnotherapy just does a suggestion, but that you learn to listen to your subconscious, you learn to direct your subconscious, you learn to collaborate. And that is more where neurolinguistic programming or other more, you know, active ways of those um, subconscious work methods come in. And uh, it's not rocket science. But it's something that you still need to do with someone that actually knows that the subconscious is delicate in regards to e- it's eager to please it's eager to take on suggestions and sometimes when we are you know just uh, barging in and pushing the subconscious without really paying attention to it it's a little bit like with my horse you know i have several horses but one of the horses has really a problem it's like young it's most beautiful being but it had some traumas in its past and since i ever had these traumas it's really difficult for it to trust so this horse is a pleaser it tries to always do everything right always tries to give all these instructions like you know it's best but it's holding its breath it's never relaxing and so there are two schools of thought one school of thought is like we're just gonna work this horse so hard until it's literally breaking and then eventually it's just gonna completely surrender and say you know what i cannot do anything and i'll just gonna do whatever i'm asked for and i will not have any internal impulse or the other school of thought is you build the confidence you are working with a horse to realize that you are safe. And when there is something happening, you don't have to run away, you can actually look at it, you can breathe, you can learn different ways of using your body. And that's a method that I find is more successful. And that's the same with our mind, I just feel like that we need to really understand with the subconscious, that we need to build for the subconscious a new way at looking at itself and looking at life that life is not how it used to be in the childhood we don't have to be in survival mode we don't have to run away we can deal with it differently and we can be more balanced and that is a process that the subconscious does faster than the conscious mind but it still takes time and we cannot force it or you know strangle it into submission and so that's i think where you know the subconscious work is is powerful but it's also something where we have just to be mindful on taking some time with it.
0: Mm. It reminds me a lot of what you're talking about of um, uh, the the body keeps the score. Um, yes, fantastic book. Um, uh, looking at a lot of these kind of themes, and one of the themes he talks about in the book is how there are so many ancient practices. Um, you know, things that perhaps uh, traditional communities or we uh, were using for, for thousands of years, um, for a, with a lot of success for things like trauma and along came Western modern medicine and a lot of that stuff was kind of just pushed away and laughed at and kind of uh, called all sorts of um, all sorts of names, you know, like uh, this is all woo woo, this is all nonsense um, despite the fact that you know maybe it been be, it had been being practiced for, for thousands of years, and you know there was a lot of wisdom there. Uh, it's, it's quite sad in a way that we were willing to just throw so much of that stuff away. It's you know, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Um, and uh, I think what you're talking about is 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 kind of coming back to that that old paradigm and recognizing the fact that you know the a lot of this stuff a lot of this, uh, these blockages, if you like, are, are there in the body. And if we're able to, we can we can tap into it and, and let it go.
1: And we have to have really um, a different attitude towards that because I think our attitude is problems need to be resolved. Discomfort needs to be released as fast as possible. You know, the journey of wholeness, is not really important anymore. It's all about you know performing or being productive or amassing wealth or whatever those you know, priorities in our lives are. But we are forgetting that life is very limited in its time. And there is a bigger reason to be here than just to have a big 401k. And maybe that reason is actually to learn about life. And you can learn the best about life when you learn about yourself first. And that is where this journey that you know, the ancients had where really was about, okay, let's figure out, you know, what is it inside of you? Who are you? What is it? You know, like if you lived in a a tribe, what is the best use for you? Let's see where you are good at? What's your purpose? Those things are just not in our consciousness at all anymore. And Mm. um, so this is something, you know, I'm not saying we should all live in huts anymore. But uh, I do feel that we have to slow down. And we have to slow down also when it becomes or when we are when we are, you know, experiencing discomfort, just this discomfort, phobia that we have, yeah, is absolutely <laughs> holding us back. Yeah. from really, you know, growing, we just are all perpetual children who want to have a pacifier, unfortunately, and the mm. cell phone can be a pacifier. You know, purchasing something can be a pacifier, distractions in general, whether it's food or alcohol, all those things are pacifiers. And and I think we do need to really see that our journey is to become the most fully actualized, grown up. And there's ways to go. And we cannot just, you know, skip steps. We have to really take those steps gradually and, and enjoy it. It's a very enjoyable journey to go and grow. Fortunately, we're not really seeing it this way.
0: Hmm. Yeah, a lot of what you're talking about actually reminds me of the, uh, the Wim Hof method. Um, I uh, instruct the Wim Hof method. And so, you know, obviously, a big part of that is learning to, to face discomfort is, yes. is going into the cold and recognizing that, you know, that discomfort is a valuable teacher, much in the same way as anxiety is, it's just another form, another form of pain, Yes. um being in the cold and you can you can learn a lot from watching the resistance to that to that cold when you're in the ice bath uh the part of you that really wants to get out of there as soon as possible just paying attention to that and trying to allow that feeling that discomfort and you can you can learn so much so much from it um so yeah i really agree with with what you were just saying there um, you also mentioned that you have your own kind of approach that you've developed could you kind of tell us a little bit about that
1: well it's uh it's called the personal breakthrough program which basically leads you through those steps of you, know, you could say let's just analyze first where does your anxiety come from let's talk to the subconscious why did you get into this pattern and and what are your patterns in the first place and you know, creating a map, because in, in in many ways, people don't understand where they have anxiety or why they have anxiety and where it comes from. And they're confused because it's so in their face. So just stepping back and saying, let's see, it makes all sense when we have a little bit more like a, a higher perspective and, and asking more the part of you, the subconscious has created in the first place. And then we go through those root causes that I described and and work on resolving the traumas and, uh, and creating a, you know, a collaboration between the two parts that are actually struggling with each other. This inner conflict and reprogramming old beliefs that uh, you know no longer serve you. And what happens is that you ultimately don't really focus on anxiety anymore because anxiety is really not showing up. What you focus on is more the discovery of self. It's like you're peeling away the layers that have really obscured your, your uh, access to your true potential, and also, you know, who you are at the core. And sometimes it's really fascinating to watch how people come in believing they're one person, and they identify themselves with, you know, either their achievements, or I'm really always having to be in control, or I'm this person who, you know, has been always anxious so I'm a little tiny mouse and and then you peel those layers away and then you see who is emerging and sometimes who is emerging mean, usually who is emerging is way more marvelous than what they ever imagined to be they become you know more heart open they become more grounded they become more also confident in themselves they find that wow there is an artist inside of me that I actually never really dared to express and and then it's no longer about anxiety. And, and that is where I feel anxiety is a catalyst for your personal discovery of your truth. And that's that's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, there's also uh, some kind of crossover I noticed between what you're talking about uh, and a little bit of uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, do you, are you aware of his work? Yeah, and- yeah of course, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, there's just some similarities that, that I noticed. But um, yeah, it all sounds, sounds really, really interesting. Um, if you could only give one piece of advice to people who are really struggling with, with anxiety or OCD, um, what, what would it be? Well, I think, uh, first of all, don't be afraid.
1: Anxiety doesn't hurt you. OCD is not telling you the truth. This is not something that is here to torture you forever. It's not your identity. It's something that you just need to, like you mentioned, face rather than run away from it or get totally absorbed with it. Just look at it first. Try to be curious about it. Listen to those thoughts. Understand how many thoughts repeat themselves understand what triggers them, learn to understand your mind as your friend and not as your enemy. And if you really understand that, wow, my mind is not working the way I wish it would, it's not in harmony, it's not collaborating, it's not really, you know, making me feel at ease. So I need to really help my mind to have an update, help my mind to understand that we are in it together then the whole journey becomes not just a Oh, I'm flawed. So I need some fix the whole journey becomes really a coming back to your wholeness, which ultimately healing is supposed to be. So write down the negative thoughts you have. Look at what they really mean. What is the belief behind it? Let's say there is a belief of well, no one really cares about me. I'm always on my own, or I always have to really watch out the shoe gonna drop something bad gonna happen. And then trace the steps back and see where this comes from. Did you get this, you know, told by your family, like in my case, or is that something that was a certain disappointment, a trauma, someone backstabbed you and, uh, and really, you know, maybe betrayed you? And what are really the deeper root causes? And understanding there is a little part inside of you that just still sits in that memory sits in this belief sits in that mindset of no, 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 we have to still make sure that this never gonna happen again. That's a starting point when you really are accepting all of that, then you're already so much further ahead on your healing path. And the rest is just to keep on growing and really addressing and nurturing and building your sense of self and your understanding of self and the fun Absolutely. begins.
0: Yeah, you're on a path. That's great. Um, if uh, if people would like to know more about you, what can they what can they do? Uh, they can just go to my website
1: drfriedman.com. drfriedema dot com. Uh, there is a lot of uh, tools and uh, tips on anxiety. You can also there uh, subscribe to my newsletter. You, there's a link to my YouTube channel with webinars and my own podcast. And of course you can get more information about my personal breakthrough and empowerment program and also access to my book. So lots of resources for you to find.
0: <laughs> That's great. Uh, Dr. Freeman, thank you so much for your time. It's been, uh, it's been wonderful having you on. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk with a like-minded person. Just a quick reminder if you would like to book yourself a free session then you can all you need to do is to head over to my website www.robertjamescoaching.com and there you can use my Calendly calendar to uh, to book yourself that free session you just need to to find a time and date that works for you and uh, and book the session there And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer